We are going through a series right now, a Christmas series, which we have entitled The Songs of Christmas. Um, they're not all songs, actually, so it's a little deceiving. Uh, some of them are prophecies, but they may have been sung. It's hard to say. But we're looking at four songs or prophecies that were uttered, declared as a, as a, as a means of rejoicing uh, around the announcement and then around the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Montrell is taking our third one today, looking at Simeon's song. Uh, there he is. I was looking for him, actually. Where did he go? Hey. Hey. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, so like Joel said, we'll be in uh, Luke chapter 2 this morning. We're going to start at uh, verse 28. I'm sorry, start at verse 21 and read into verse 30. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and ushers will bring you one. Glad. Thank you. They'll say my pleasure because they've been trained well. <laughs> um, as you're turning to that or going to that in your phone or pretending to go to it in your phone, whatever. Um, can you hear me? It's kind of it's awkward, Mike. Sure. Good. Um, so I want to start off with a, a couple of things to keep in mind on, on the holiday season. Uh, the first thing is a, a prayer request for the guy by the name of Abdullah. Do you know Abdullah, Alton? From uh, University of Delaware? Yeah. So he is... Um, like this happened. Um, so Abdullah is a uh, student of the University of Delaware is a school or a campus that's in our convention because we're in the Baptist Convention of Maryland, Delaware. I can't, Joel. I can't just keep going like nothing has happened. <laughs> this is, this is. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you. Uh, Abdullah is from Saudi Arabia. He became a Christian at the University of Delaware. And um, upon becoming a Christian, he was uh, actually witnessing to his friends and family back at home in Saudi Arabia, which you know is a heavily populated, just leave it alone, Joe, you don't, can't. it's a heavy populated Muslim, um, Muslim territory. And uh, the people that he know uh, were trying to tell him like, hey, um, maybe you shouldn't mention the fact that you're a Christian, you know, just because of the persecution that comes along with being that um, I think the largest known church there is uh, comprised of five people. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind over this holiday season um, as you're celebrating. Um, the next thing is, um, I think the holiday seasons are a good time to um, show what it means to be a Christian, but all year. Um, most of the times people are more benevolent and giving during this time. I didn't, I mean, I know this is probably a marketing strategy or two. I didn't know Giving Tuesday was a thing. So, you know, you got um, Black Friday, uh, what, Cyber Monday, and Giving Tuesday. Um, I never heard of it. I've never heard of it until now. But um, one hope, shameless plug, if you want to give anything. Uh, but normally people are more benevolent during this time, or even when it comes to uh, people getting, like, traffic tickets or uh, parking citations, you know, meter maids, or just like, oh, you better be glad it's the holiday season. It's like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, um, but I think as Christians, it's, it's the perfect time 
to do what Romans, the book of Romans calls us to do, and that's to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping. You know, for some of us, Christmas time is a time that we're highly anticipating um, going to people's houses and it's smelling like, you know, cinnamon and pine cones and you have uh, Christmas music playing and like, you know, it's just something that everyone looks forward to. For me, um, it's not Christmas time until I hear Silent Night by the Temptations on the radio. Um, you know, that's what it is. Or for some people, it, uh, Rochelle, what's the Christmas song by Elvis that you like? Blue Christmas. It's not Christmas until you hear Blue Christmas. Come, look at it. No, it's, it's not. She still hasn't heard it. It's not Christmas time yet. Um, but we have to keep in mind that a lot of our brothers and sisters, this is a tough time for them in the year. Um, everyone doesn't have the same fam family dynamics. Um, everyone didn't grow up the same. Everyone doesn't have the best relationship with their family. So just keep that in mind as we go through this season and keep those brothers and sisters in mind. Amen? All right, so we're going to be in Luke 2. I'm going to start uh, reading at verse 21, and then we'll dive in. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for our time today. May we be encouraged by Simeon's song, and may we keep in mind you during this holiday season. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I will say that this was a, an encouraging text for me, um, especially uh, where I am in my walk as a Christian and where uh, the church is as it relates to the world. As for me, um, this is a time where I've seen the church persecuted the most in my just under three decades of being here. Uh, so this passage was very uh, encouraging for me. And it's you know, having a number of friends who oppose the faith and 
opposed Christianity. It was just a nice reminder of um, why we believe what we believe and the actions um, that have happened. All right, so the book of Luke, anybody want to take a stab at who wrote it? Luke, all right. Uh, Luke did write it. He also wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote it to a guy by the name of Theophilus. Now, Theophilus could be understood to represent uh, Greeks or Gentiles as well. This is important because he wasn't writing to Jewish people. The book of Luke has uh, a number of explanations as to why Jewish people do the things that they do and uh, follow certain tr traditions and cultures that they have. Um, so a Gentile is defined by anyone who is not Jewish by blood. So just for the sake of people who are still paying attention right now, raise your hand if you are a Gentile. All right, you can put them down. So this basically uh, will hit us or apply to us and we'll be able to, to fill it the same way that they did. So it's important to understand the culture in which was going on at that time and that's why Luke uh, explained everything that happened. So. I'm from Georgia, right? Um, so it's like me. Where part, man? Where part? Lawrenceville? Yeah, man. No, Gwinnett? Yeah, that's what's up, man. Fred's from Georgia, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm from Georgia. Uh, so it's like me explaining the culture of Baltimore to my friends and family back at home, right? So it's like when they come up to visit me and I'm driving them around in one of y'all's cars, because I don't have a car. Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> We're driving around, and um, for me, it's just normal. Like, hey, this is that, that's this. And so then they say, hey, what's that guy doing over there? And I'm like, what guy? And the guy's over there doing like this. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's a hat. And, and so I have to explain to them, like, hey, uh, people, that was like the original Uber or Lyft before it actually happened, right? <laughs> um, so people are asking for a ride, and they're like, you just pick up random people and, and, and take them? It's like, yeah, I would do it right now if you weren't in the car and make a couple dollars. Or it's like when you go to a sporting event, namely uh, the, the Orioles or the Ravens game, and you're singing the national anthem, and then it gets to the O and everybody says, Baltimore culture. Or since um, somebody shovels out their snow, and then they put a chair out there, and yo, you respect the chair. It's like you, I'm like, how do you, how, how do you stop Like, you respect the chair. Otherwise, it is what it is. Um, or American culture overall. Since Lewis is here, I'm going to pick on him for a second. I took Lewis to this, uh, to this pizza spot, one of my favorite pizza spots. And um, we order our pizza, and so I go over, and I'm putting cheese on my pizza. I say, hey, man, you want cheese? And Lewis is like, so Lewis is from Burundi. And Lewis says, what? More cheese? It's already cheese on there. And I'm like, hey, man, just put cheese on it. Don't ask questions. America. <laughs> Well, we value overconsumption. Um, <laughs> so Luke is writing to people who are Gentiles to explain Jewish tradition and culture to them through or to Theophilus. So at this time of Luke's writing, it's just slipping. Joel, you look so disappointed in me right now, man. I know. Is this better? I can grab a. Is this better? All right, here. It's, it's okay. No, 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 no. It's okay. Check, check, too. All right. Um, so he's explaining uh, tradition and culture to him. So at this time, at this point in time, the early church was already 
separated from, there we go. The early church was already separated from, um, from the Jews and from, 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 uh, from the practices that they had, right? So, and there was already some hostility that was going on between the Jews and the early church. And so, naturally, uh, Theophilus was a, was a, he was a Gentile, and he was a new convert. So he's hearing all of this bad stuff about Jesus. He's like hearing like, oh man, this guy's here. He's coming over here to overthrow, overthrow us and all these terrible things about him. So naturally as somebody who is new in the faith and a new convert, he is discouraged because he's like hearing all of this, this crazy stuff. And Luke is writing to him, encouraging him in his faith. And he starts off by, by saying and defending uh, Jesus by saying that um, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. And then when he came, when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So he's saying like, hey, this guy's a good kid. Like he's a, he's a good person. He comes, good, wholesome boy. Comes from a good family, you know, respects his elders. He's just a, just a good kid. They're, they're follow, following the law according to Jewish tradition, and he's doing everything that he's supposed to be doing. He gets no passes. He's not um, overthrowing any uh, political system. And check this out. He's not a rich guy. You need money to overthrow something for the most part. And he's not a rich guy. And we see this, uh, normally someone would have to bring a lamb to make sacrifices, and then what do they bring? They bring two turtle doves or, or two pigeons because they can't afford to bring a lamb. And so Luke is encouraging Theophilus and his fellow friends and Gentiles with like, hey, like this is a solid guy and he's a, he's a good guy. And so there was a man in the, in, the, in the temple by the name of Simeon. So when I told somebody what I was preaching, I said, hey, I'm preaching Simeon's song. And they asked the question, who is Simeon? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> so check this out. If it weren't for Simeon's dedication and his faithfulness and his obedience and trust in God, he would have never made it into the scriptures. That's, all, that's, that's the only, we have no history on Simeon. All we know is that God gave him a promise and Simeon believed what he, was, what he said. All right. So last week, Brian preached on Zechariah's song, right? So you remember Zechariah was mute. He, he couldn't talk. And so Brian said that was the, probably the first game of charades because he was trying to sign to them, you know, what was going on then. And so he finally told them that him and his wife were having a baby. And they didn't believe him. Why? Because she was advanced in age. She was old. Stop trying to be nice, Andrea. She, <laughs> she, <laughs> nah, the scriptures say that she was advanced in age. The scriptures say that she was advancing in age. Uh, so uh, both her, uh, Zechariah, and his wife were advancing in age. We see Simeon here is an is a old head. Um, and also Anna says that she's up there as well, getting up there in age, right? Why does Luke emphasize all of these old people? Or what we would call seasoned saints. Amen? There we go. <laughs> the seasoned saints. You know, the people who are, who are knowledgeable, the people who rarely say anything and they just kind of sit in the corner and when they do talk, everybody listens because they have something good to say. Why is it that Luke emphasized these people and, and he called them devout people? Well, I submit to you that it's possibly because they represented people who followed the law of Moses 
and represented the, the, the Old Testament and the Jewish uh, traditions and culture. They, they followed it to the T, and they looked forward to the promised Messiah that was, that was, that was uh, prophesied about and talked about. And then you have Anna, who was actually a prophet. And so it's looking like these uh, people or these figures are representing law and prophet, the things that uh, that's God spoke to us through in the days of old. And so when Simeon, being led by the Holy Spirit, goes into the temple, let me just say a word about the Holy Spirit right quick. So Luke wrote, also wrote the book of Acts, and in the book of Acts, we just see the Holy Spirit doing some crazy things and moving in some, in some crazy ways, and uh, not necessarily the same way that he does, but can move today. And so Simeon, being led by the Holy Spirit, goes into the temple, and he intercepts Mary and Joseph. Now, remember at this point, Mary and Joseph have gone through some, some stuff. All right. Mary comes to Joseph, say, says, hey, I'm pregnant. And he was like, but I don't know a lot of stuff, but I do know what I didn't do. Um, and so he's wanting to dip out. And then the angel comes to Joseph and he says, like, hey, everything is fine. And then they're on the run. And, blah, blah, blah. and so for another uh, a sign of affirmation for what's going on, Simeon comes to them and he's telling them, like, hey, I, I heard about this guy. I, I, I know about him as well. And the scripture says that uh, Joseph and Mary, they marvel at what was said about him. It's another instance of God being faithful to his people and confirming what has already been said. And Simeon, when he saw Jesus, he was, he was happy. He was ecstatic. And Anna was the same way, right? So this is a, a picture for those who are Jews who, does, who, who don't believe in a, in, in a coming Messiah. And, and this is a sign that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And he was accepted by people who were following the law to the T and who were devout men and women of Jewish tradition. Ain't that dope? Like, ain't that dope? Like, real talk. So in, in, in Luke chapter 16 and 16, chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus testifies to the same thing. He says, the law and the prophets were until John, which is his cousin, John the Baptist. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached. So Jesus is testifying to himself, saying that the law and the prophets definitely served their purpose, but now I'm here, and the kingdom of God is at hand. So for people who um, followed the law to the T and were devout in their faith, they weren't intimidated by Jesus, but they were happy that he had finally came. And that's what we celebrate on in, during this Advent season. People say, like, you don't know when Jesus was born? Right. I have no idea. He was probably born in the summertime, if you, if you follow history. We're not celebrating Jesus' birthday. I don't know too many people who would die on the hill and say, Jesus was born on December 25th. That's not what we're doing. We're celebrating the fact that he became incarnate and that he was born and able to fulfill his purpose uh, and, and, and fulfill the covenant that he made with the Father in eternity past. Amen. We see this, this, this beef between the Jews and the Gentiles all throughout scriptures, right? Paul, Paul is talking about the law, saying in, in Galatians 3.24, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Uh, one theologian said this, up until 
John the Baptist come and the word and the rule of God had been proclaimed through the law and the prophets, but now with the arrival of Jesus, the king and his forerunner John, the word and rule of God is proclaimed and, and encountered in a new way. So everyone who, were, who was doing all of these works beforehand and making all of these sacrifices and, and, and trying to keep every single thing, Jesus has now come to fulfill that, and now we can put our complete hope and trust in him. So this was wonderful news for them at this time. That's why Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heaven laden, heaven laden, and I will give you rest. So why is this good news? I would say for the unbeliever, this is good news because, listen, you know yourself, and you know that there is no righteousness that lies within you, if you were to be honest with yourself. And as Christians, this is what we believe is our one and truly hope. We're trusting in Jesus for our salvation. We're putting our faith in him. Why is it uh, healthy for the believer or important or good for the believer? For that, we have to go back to uh, Genesis uh, to the book of Genesis, where it all started between Adam and Eve in the garden. So God told Adam, hey, eat from any tree that you want to. And of course, he ate from the tree that he wasn't supposed to eat to, because that is what we do as human beings. Everything that we, that, that we can't have. And so um, God made it clear to Adam that he wasn't supposed to eat from this tree. And he says that if you eat from this tree, what will happen? He said you will die. Now, did Adam die right then in that moment? No, he did not die a physical death, but he did die spiritually, right? Whereas before they sinned, they were in right standing with God. They were now spiritually dead and in need of something acceptable to God. This was symbolized in the fig leaves. So when Adam and Eve realized that they sinned, they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves, which is symbolic of works. They tried to do something by themselves, and God said, like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not having that. And then he covered them with the skins of an animal. So this is what we would call a typology, something that points to something else. And it also shows us how God typically works. So something had to die in order for God to be satisfied, and that's when he covered them with the skin of an animal. And so we see sacrifices being made all throughout the Old Testament and even up to the New Testament to the passage that we're looking at today, right? But then there was something else that happened in Genesis 3. After Adam and Eve gave into the temptation of eating the fruit, God had a conversation with all of the parties involved. So he's talking to, to Satan, and what does he say? He says that I will put enmity between your seed between you and, uh, and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And so at this point, in Genesis 3.15, logic and reconciliation is out of the question. So enmity lies between those that are children of the serpent and the children of the woman. So this means that every time that a child is born and every time that a marriage happens, you should understand that you are engaging in a wartime maneuver with an enemy who hates you. His ultimate goal is to steer the church away and he'll do whatever he has to do to reach this goal. This is why for the married people, this is why uh, your marriage is under attack sometimes. When, when you're just doing everything that you know to do and, 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 and you're following what you learn in, uh, in marriage counseling. Joel, make sure I get some good counseling. 
and thank you. And uh, you're following the advices from that you're getting from conferences and, and, and that you're getting from faithful friends only to realize that you don't seem to be making much progress in your life. You are in war against an enemy who hates you. And he will do everything in his power to steer you away from your one and truly hope. For those who are sick, it doesn't matter who you are. You are in um, war with someone who hates you. I definitely uh, am a practical person, meaning that if someone has bad health problems, I will say you need to stop eating some of the stuff that you're eating. But at the same time, I do believe in, that we don't wrestle against flesh and, flesh and blood, but against principalities. We are in a never-ending, non-stop war with Satan and his demons. This is why we make an overemphasis on when people are in sin, and I'm talking to myself as well. Like, sin is something that's not friendly. Sin is something that does not play fair. Sin is something that does not consider you. It's deceptive. That's why we make such a big deal when we say you have to put this to death because it will, over, it will consume you and it will kill you. This is why we make such a big deal over this. But thanks be to God for the Christian he made a promise with Abraham, saying that he would bless him. And he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. And not only did he cho choose us, but he equipped us as well. So when we're looking here at what's going on in Simeon's song, this is everything that Simeon, Simeon is saying. Everything that we've been waiting for is finally here. And that's our same story. And that's our same song. Not only during Advent season but year-round as well. And for the believer, we're looking for Christ to come back again, again. And we're waiting for, for consummation to happen and waiting to reign with Jesus and to be able to sit at his feet and adore him, to worship him, and to praise him. So Simeon's song is definitely for them then, but it's also for us now. We're, we're able to rejoice like Simeon and say that God has fulfilled and kept his promise that he has made to us. Amen? I started off saying to remember and keep those in mind who are hurting during this season, are hurting during this, this Christmas time. Call them, text them. And, allow, and, and, if, and if you're one of those people, allow, them, allow people to be that for you. Like, it's okay to text people and say, like, hey, I'm hurting right now. I need you to pray for me. It's perfectly fine. Give people the opportunity to be the church. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for being a God who is faithful. Thank you for being a covenant keeper. Lord God, I pray for us during this Christmas season that we won't be uh, consumed by gifts or by uh, fat men in a, red, in a red suit. But Lord God, I pray that we'll remember Christ. pray that we'll keep him at the center of our lives. And I pray that we will always remember and preach Christ and him crucified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.